Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. All right, let's play a little game here. You guys up for a little game? Um, I want you to say something, and we're just going to say these things out. Something that you're thankful for, and I'm looking for, at first... Just one word. You can only say one word. Now, you'll, those of you that like to say lots of words, you'll get your chance in a minute. Uh, but we're, let's do some one word. One word things that you're thankful for. And let's start with things in nature. Life. Life. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was good. That was good. Sunshine. Sunshine. Dogs. Children. Children. I think I heard some more. Deer. Another one for deer. Is it hunting season? Yes. Yeah. Snow. That's two words. Water. Gerbils. Hey, I get it. Anything else? Yeah. Me. Hmm? Me. You? You're thankful for you? Okay. All right, let's shift it a little bit. One word answers, things that you're thankful for um, outside of just nature, uh, maybe specifically to do with God, maybe an attribute of God. Grace, love, salvation, life. <laughs> Works in this one too, doesn't it? Patience, faith, variety, peace, mercy, I heard loving kindness, long-suffering, forgiveness, healing. Oh, man, you guys are loaded. All right, let me ask you this. Um, This one you can verge into two words, okay? Two word answers. Um, Think of some of those attributes we just said, and I want you to try to add, tack a word onto the beginning. So, for example, the first one I heard was grace. So let's... An example of this would be God's amazing grace, abundant grace, loving grace. Think about, think about some of those other things I heard. I, what did you say? Yeah. Continued relationships. Unconditional love. I heard more than one. Life everlasting. And what did you say? Mm. Anybody else? Great faithfulness. Yeah. All right, now, for those of you who like to say full phrases, <laughs> right? Something that in the last week, let's try to keep it at a sentence, maybe two. So think, how can I summarize? Something in the last week that you're just grateful for. It does not have to be specifically religious. Be broad spectrum here. Anybody? Answered prayer. Life again. Good. Endurance. Endurance. 
cares about my concerns and burdens and my worries. Mm. Aren't you thankful for that? Absolutely. Christian community. You guys are thinking much more deep than I am. I, I, I had last week, uh, Charity made a, a homemade pot pie. It was so good. And I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being silly. I was serious. I'm like, that is so good. Thank you. I mean, aren't you glad that God made food to taste good? I mean, that we can eat good things and we can enjoy those things. I mean, aren't you grateful for that? We're going to eat a big meal in a little bit. Aren't you grateful that you, you can get, man, God gave us, I mean, that's, he didn't have to make us that way. He could have made us to where without taste buds, so you just had to eat just to survive. But he made it so that food can taste good, and you can actually take a bite of something and go, man, you ever done that? Oh, man. Anything else like that? Maybe, okay, take a little shallow with me for a minute. Anybody else have some more shallow things? Yeah. Loving companion, that's still a little deep. Loving companions, gratefulness, yeah, babies, furry dogs, she does not like the dogs, she likes the dogs, somebody doesn't like dogs, we won't bring it up, oh yeah, comfortable sleeping environments, are you thankful for that, we're not sleeping on dirt anymore, we have beds, blankets, heat, Soap, I'm thankful. Uh, there are some kids at school. I wish, I, I think maybe they don't know about that one. <laughs> Just saying. Thank, yeah, you, I think about, anybody thankful for how, just provision, right? Job, family, family. mirrors. Oh, mirrors. Vehicle that runs. Health. Oh, you guys are very thankful people, I can tell. Well, we could go on, right? Now, I'm going to shift a little bit different now. Didn't want to cut anybody off because I heard somebody say shoes, but um, is that you? <laughs> oh. Now, let me shift a little bit of a different direction this morning because there are some things in this life that as Christians you can be uniquely thankful for that people who are not Christians cannot be thankful for those things. In order to talk about that, I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, and there's some things. In fact, there's eight things there in this prayer. It's a prayer of thanksgiving that Paul prays. There are eight things that I think that we can be uniquely thankful for today. So I'm going to start, before I put the scripture up there, I'm going to start with a word of prayer. Pray that God would direct us through this passage and help us to see these things. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for this day. I thank you for all these things that have been mentioned, Lord. There are so many wonderful things that you have given us in this life. And God, we, we do. We thank you for it. I pray now that you'd be with us as we look at your word, which we are thankful to have. God, that you'd help us to understand it, help me to present it in a way that makes sense. Lord, in a way that speaks to our hearts. Lord, I pray for those in this room that have you as their Savior, that they would be renewed in their gratefulness for who you are. I pray for those in this room, Lord, that may not yet have you as their Savior, not yet genuinely. God, I pray that you'd turn their hearts, open it up to the greatness of who you are. I pray this, all these things now, in Christ's name. 
Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23 starts off this way. Now, some of you may remember back, way, way back, the first book of the Bible that I preached through after the Sermon on the Mount was the book of Ephesians. So you may remember some of these things from way back when we did this or revisiting this passage. Paul the Apostle is writing this to the, the church at Ephesus, and he says this of them. He says, For this reason, and he's going to give the reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. First off, I say the same thing of all of you. I'm grateful to be a part of this church. I hear many of you say that quite often, that you're thankful that God has, has Edgewood. Who in here is thankful for that and thankful for the people that are here? Absolutely. Let me give you two things in these first two verses. There are two things that we as Christians can be uniquely thankful for. The first one is this. We can be uniquely thankful for our faith in Jesus. Now, let me explain something here. Faith in Scripture is not what many of you think the word faith is talking about. Faith is not a strong sense of trust. Some people think that's what faith is. Faith, to have faith is, means I have a strong sense of trust. That is not an accurate usage of that word. Faith in Scripture, the best way that we use it is like if I were to say, I'm part of the Christian faith. Okay? In that sense, we're talking about a world view. We're talking about a system of belief. We're talking about the things that we believe. In the Bible, the word faith is talking about what we believe. It's not, it's not about how strongly you believe it. It's about what you believe. And we can be thankful for our faith in Jesus. This worldview. This reality. We're thankful because we see the world as it really is. Pause. Now, there are a lot of faiths in this world. Would you agree with that? Number one, they cannot all be right. Because they say different things. They can all be wrong. But they can't all be right. We are here, and I hope you're here today, because you believe, your set of beliefs, your faith, is that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He came to this earth, died on a cross 2,000 years ago for our sins. And that was God's plan, His one and only plan, for the salvation of people, for the payment of sin, and the hope of eternal life. We can thank God that we believe. If, if this is true, yeah, I have to say that, if this is true. If this isn't true, I'm going to use the words of Paul, we are above all people to most to be pitied. Paul the Apostle says that of the Christian faith. But if it's true, praise God that we're believing. I mean, I love knowing what's going down. Don't you? In Scripture... Faith is always presented, when we have it, as a gift that God has given us. Ephesians later on says, For by grace are you saved through faith, 
And then you may know this, because what does he say next? And this, not of yourselves. What, what's not of ourselves? For by grace are you saved through faith. And this, the faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works, not of working, not of like, I figured this out. It's a gift. The fact that you see the truth is a gift that God has given you. A uniquely Christian thing we can be thankful for. Number two in this passage. Uniquely thankful for our love of the saints. We saw that in that, that verse. Saints, set, a, set apart people. Saints not meaning you're better than everybody else. Correct? In fact, I think if you're looking at it, and you're looking around, or you're thinking about yourself, you're thinking, we're definitely not the best of the best. Hodge, Podge, Miss, what is the island of misfit toys? Anybody remember that? That's Edgewood right there. The island of misfit toys. But you are in God's economy, saints. Not because you in and of yourselves are righteous or holy, but because God has set you apart for special use. This love that we have towards the saints is uniquely Christian. This love towards God's people. In fact, this can only be seen, and think about this, this can only be seen slash experienced in the church. Because if the Bible is true, then God's people are the ones that you see in church. These are the chosen ones in this world, the church. I can't emphasize this enough. Some walk away from the church. We were just talking about that this morning. There's a song we were listening to on the way over. This is some, some do that. They, they walk away. You're missing out. Don't come to church because you think you're going to find a bunch of put-together people. We've said many times here, the pre prerequisite to become a part of this is to go, I'm a sinner. But the love towards the saints is something you as a Christian can be uniquely thankful for. The fact that you're here today and have an opportunity to show love to the other human beings sitting down in this room is something you can say, God, thank you for bringing me here. I could be home watching football. And you may want to do that later. <laughs> Kickoff kick is at one, I heard. Indiana time or Illinois time? Indiana time. Okay, okay. 12 o'clock. Not going to make it. But, but think about it. You could not be here. You could be at home sleeping. You go, well, that sounds kind of nice. No, 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 no. You would miss this. The opportunity to love God's people and be a part of God's people. What a tragic loss that would be. Now Paul's going to shift next. In the next verse, he's going to shift to prayers. So he said he thanked God for these two things, but he's going to now pray. He says, I do not cease in praying for you. And this is one of Paul's, and you may remember this when we study Ephesians 
uh, Paul has in the book of Ephesians several run-on sentences. So what I'm reading today is one big, from verse 15 to verse 23, is one big long sentence. Somehow grammatically correct. That's how amazing Paul is at his writing ability. But it's still a big, long sentence. So everything's going to flow along. So the things he's thankful for, he shifts to saying, I'm praying. But the prayers that he prays, all the things he's going to say next, are things that he believes these people have, and he's praying, God, give us even more. And they all tie back to that faith that he mentioned initially. Listen to what he says next in verse 17. Do not cease in praying for you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him. There are three things I see in this portion. We as Christians can be uniquely thankful for a spirit of wisdom. Wisdom, think of wisdom as, I think, make, it's not just knowing things, Right? Someone who's wise, it's, just not, it's not that they just know stuff. It, it's, it's making good decisions. A, a person who's wise can look at a situation and go, this is the best choice. The spirit of wisdom that the Bible talks about is not, even though wisdom, I think, can pervade all peoples across this globe and all generations, but there's something uniquely Christian. We have the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of God is given to us at the moment of true salvation. The spirit, Paul says later, is the seal that guarantees our inheritance. So the wisdom that a Christian has access to is not impersonal, like this random thing, but it's actually very personal. There's a spirit, the Holy Spirit, that provides wisdom. So when we are seeking wisdom, it's not to this unknown, unnamed, random, like there's, this, there's wisdom out there to be had, but there's wisdom that's personal. In fact, uh, in, in Proverbs, Solomon talks about it like wisdom is crying out in the streets. Come, I'm here for the taking. Wisdom is something, the spirit of wisdom is something you as a Christian, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, and you've said, you know what, I'm not trusting in myself any longer in my own abilities to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm putting all of my faith in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for my sins, that my hope of eternal life is found in him. And if you're sitting here today and that, yes, I, I have nothing of my own, then you have access to the spirit of wisdom. God's spirit himself will give you you wisdom if you just ask. The next one. We can be, I try to get unique. I did a different font for each sentence. Some of you, that's really going to bother. Sorry. Now that I pointed it out, you're, oh, wait a minute. Um, <clears throat> uniquely thankful, we see in this verse, for the revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ. Sometimes the truth of who Jesus is in our world is described in the Old Testament as a secret hidden in ages past. Sometimes it's talked about as a, a mystery. What is it? What's coming? There's a Savior coming. That's what they talk in the Old Testament. There's a Savior coming, this Messiah. He's coming, a deliverer, a redeemer. He's coming. And for all those hundreds of thousands of years, it was a mystery exactly what God's salvation of humanity was going to look like. We have the full revelation of who God's Redeemer, Deliverer, 
Savior is. It is Jesus. You can go back to the Old Testament and there's hints of him. Little clues that span back through those thousands of years. You see hints of Jesus in Adam, in Noah, King David, Abraham, and Isaac. We see clues of Jesus in the clothing of Adam and Eve. We see uh, a hint of him in the defeat of Goliath. We see him in the sacrifices of the Old Testament, in the freeing of the Israelites from Egypt. We see him in the promise and in the birth of Isaac. We see him in the very shape of the way the temple was built. We see him in the visions of the pagan king Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel's interpretation of those dreams that he had. We see him in the preaching of Elijah. We see him in the belly of a whale with Jonah. We see him literally in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Glimpses, hints. But for us, think about this reality for a minute. As Christians, we can be uniquely thankful because the Savior has been revealed. We don't have to wonder anymore. Those were dim glimpses. We have something better. God in the flesh. The gospel writers write about him so that we won't forget they saw him. You even hear those gospel writers talk about the things that we have seen and heard right with our own eyes. We write to you about so that you'll know that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus has come, has saved humanity. The greatest act of redemption in the universe, that's not an exaggeration, happened 2,000 years ago when God in the flesh died on a cross, that heart stopped beating. He took the full penalty of all our sin. And then, by the very power of God, rose up again. What a wonderful thing that we can be thankful for. Verse 18, the sentence carries on. Having the, eyes of our hearts, uh, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you and what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. Paul was not one that would have played my game of one-word things to be thankful for very well, is he? <clears throat> I see in this one three more. Uniquely thankful for an enlightened heart. We are not bogged down. Think of the heart as the, your inner being. That's what the Greeks would have talked about when they're talking about the heart. They're not talking about the organ that pumps. This is the inner who I am. We are not bogged down in our inner being with the trivial things of life. At least we don't need to be. There are things that are eternal and lasting. You as a Christian, if you know who Christ is and you begin to believe. And this is why Paul is praying for this. He's grateful, but he's praying for more and more of this. You, you have had your hearts enlightened, but he's praying that your hearts will continue to be enlightened. You've learned that life isn't about fill-in-the-blank money, possessions, ease, vacation, travel, career, job, retirement, or even family. 
let's be honest, many of these things can be nice. We enjoy them. They're things that we can rightfully say when we've appreciated and enjoyed them. God, I'm thankful for those things. But as a Christian, you know because of an enlightened heart that this is not what life is about. And someone who is a child of God and has had their heart enlightened, when these things are jerked away, they go, but I have God. I've got Him. Love it, God, when you give me this other stuff. Love it. Lord, if all I have is you, I'm satisfied. How in the world can we get to that place? It is only by a heart that's been enlightened. The eyeballs have been opened. It's been peeled back. And you start to see all these other things as temporary, crumbly, like dust. Love them. Enjoy them. They don't last. But there are things that are eternal that do. And God has opened up the very eyes of your heart to see what those things are. The next one. Uniquely thankful for the hope of a calling. You've heard me say many times, hope in Scripture is not, I hope so. Hope in Scripture is a confidence. If you have hope, and if someone in Scripture, you're reading the Bible, and they're talking about, I have hope, they're talking about confidence. I have confidence this is going to happen. You can be uniquely thankful for the hope of a calling, as well, Paul said. You have a purpose. We have a real purpose that is not decided by fate or chance. Think about that. Dwell on that for a moment. Many people in our world, sadly so, think that they have a purpose, but they've given over. My purpose was decided by fate. Fate has put me here for this reason. We as Christians do not fall to such a ridiculous error that fate controls things. No. God does. And he talks about what we are doing as a calling. We're called out. We have a calling, each and every one of us. And he isn't trying to hide it from you like a riddle. You're called by God to be a picture of God in this world. You're called by God to love your neighbor. You're called by God to love your enemy. You're called by God to share the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is in this world. You have a purpose. You have meaning. The meaning that you have resides in whatever job that you end up with. No matter what it is. You haven't missed your calling if you end up in what you think may have been the wrong job. Your calling that God gives you supersedes all things. And wherever you end up, you go, man, I, have you ever said that? Man, I missed my calling. No, you haven't. You might be stacking boxes. You might be flipping hamburgers. You might be teaching bratty kids. Bratty. Scratch. Can we delete the bratty? Nobody's recording. Um, whatever it is you end up doing, you can rest assured that God 
if he was here, would say, I've got a purpose for you in that exact spot that you're in. Don't hate it. Don't hate it. God's got you there for a reason. He doesn't mess up. He doesn't, you know, oh man, I really wanted them over here in this. No, God is never doing that. He's going, you're exactly where I need you right now today. If I needed you over there, that's where you'd be. You have a calling. You have a purpose. At home, no matter what family you have, for better or worse, God has a purpose for you in that family to be a picture of Jesus. Your purpose is not to set your family straight or to chew them out. Your purpose is to picture Jesus, to love, to care, to be patient, to be kind, because they may not know what those things really are. No matter how much they talk about them and how much they think they have already figured it out, if you have members of your family that do not know Jesus, they do not know the full kindness of God yet. And you might be the one picture that they see in your neighborhood with your neighbors, the good ones, the nosy ones, the annoying ones, the angry ones, the rude ones, God has called you to be a picture of the Savior Jesus to those neighbors. When you're shopping and you bump into people, God has called you to be a picture of Jesus. Wherever you're at, no matter what you're doing, you have the hope, confidence of a calling. Next. Uniquely thankful for a glorious inheritance. There is more after death. Aren't you so glad? There's a kingdom. There's a kingdom that starts here and continues on for eternity. Aren't you glad of that? We don't have to wait for the kingdom. We get to be part of the kingdom here. We start it. We're part of it. The king has already said, I reign, I rule. He said, come be a part of my kingdom. We'll see it in its fullness one day. But you can be thankful for this glorious inheritance because we are called in Scripture. When it talks about this new heaven and new earth, we are called in Scripture as joint fellow heirs. With Jesus. We are treated as heirs of this kingdom. Verse 19. The sentence continues on. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might. I'm going to summarize this one with one thing to add in. We can be uniquely thankful for the immeasurably great work of God. Let me read that verse again. Let's go back and read it again. And what is the immeasurable? Measurable. Think about that one. You can't. It's, it's, it's big. The greatness of God is big like, like the Grand Canyon. No, that's not big. The, the, the greatness of God is big like uh, uh, 
from the Pacific to the land. No, that's not big. The greatness of God is, is, is big like the, the whole globe. No, that's not. The, the greatness of God is big. The immeasurable greatness of God, what he's done is big like, like the sun. No, that's still not quite. That's, it's not big enough. The greatness of God is big like if you were to measure from the sun to Jupiter. Now that doesn't do it. The greatness of God is big like our galaxy. No. Greatness of God, the immeasurable greatness, like our whole universe, no. I think, and I've heard others say this, so I'm stealing this. I think one of the reasons, like when you start looking at like those big things, and like the earth is huge. I mean, you, you see something big, you go, wow, it's big. But then you start thinking about how small, like you see pictures like the sun and like the earth is this big compared to the sun. You go, man. And then you start thinking about how, like, how far away we are from that big ball of burning gas. And you say, how far? And then the, this is way out here, billions and billions of miles. I think one of the reasons why our universe is so big and expansive is because if it was any smaller, it would not do God justice. And the work that he's done in Christ when he, in the middle of this huge universe, on this one planet where he's got his people that he created, he sent his son, who was God in the flesh, that speck. I remember several years ago, and this, it happened before my time, but there was this moment when, now there's, I don't know if you guys know this, there are two spacecraft that we sent out way back, I think it was the 60s, the Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. You guys remember hearing about that? And they were taking, going out to take pictures of the planets. They, they are now, just now, leaving our solar system. And they're traveling thousands of miles an hour. And they're just now leaving our solar system. There was one picture, and this was probably about 20, 20, 30 years ago. There was one, one of those, I think it was the Voyager 1, was right out on just getting close to where Pluto is at. And there's actually our solar system goes out beyond that into, to the Kuiper belt, but it's not important. Uh, but uh, the, it was getting out there, and they had it. They sent out the, per, the signal for it. It takes like so many, like you send the signal. It's, it's like, be, you know, can you imagine a remote, remote control car where you send the message, and then it takes like a day before it gets to But they sent a message. They told it to turn around and take a, take a snapshot. Back of the solar system. And, and they zoomed in, and there was this one little dot. It's a famous picture. You can Google it. The pale blue dot. It's the Earth. And one of the scientists who was there looked at it and said, famously so, and it's been recorded, he said, every person that's ever lived their lives lived it out on that pale blue dot. In the middle of that, all those lives that have lived, right in the center of history, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to that little pale blue dot to save the souls of people in a way where he gets all the glory. The immeasurable greatness. We can be uniquely thankful we can be uniquely thankful because unlike people who are out here in the world, because they don't see that, who Jesus is, they can give thanks, but they're missing it. God has sent his son. 
He continues on, this, this sentence continues on, two more, or, uh, four more verses here. He says that he worked in Christ, and this is just, I'm not going to throw any more, the immeasurable work of God, just think about that. Paul just starts rolling with that one thought, the immeasurable work of God in Christ. He says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So he was raised, he was seated, heavenly places. And what are those? He says, next, far above all rule, Laws of physics, laws of nature, authority, those who seem to have the say in this world, those in charge, air quote, for above all rule and authority and power, power of influence, power of might, power of word, power of money, for above dominion, these systems that we live in in this world, it's above that and above every name. Every name. From Adam to the last person that will ever be born, of all those that can be named, there is one name that stands supreme. Jesus Christ. Above every name that can be named. Not only... In this age, this isn't a temporary thing, this church thing, but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things. How can we be uniquely thankful? Right here it is. Gave him his head over all things to the church. Us, flawed, frail, sinful, broken human beings, which he, I believe in joy, says, this is my body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. We are in Jesus Christ uniquely thankful. I hope, because this is the season of thanksgiving, I hope that in the middle of all the things that we are thankful for, and, and do it. You have somebody say, what are you thankful for? Thank him for pot pie. Thank him for turkey. Thank him for a good family. Thank him for bad family if you feel like it. No, you should Thank Him for your job and your, your provision and your house. Thank Him for all those things. But don't forget in the middle of all that because He could take all those things away. And you could still say because of what God has given you, I am thankful because of this enlightened heart and the spirit of wisdom that He's given me that I realize that all these things are frail, crumbly things. And God, you've opened my eyes to the deepest things of reality and to the Savior that you sent, Jesus Christ. Let yourself think about that when you go, I'm thankful for the turkey. God, I'm really thankful for you. I'm thankful for this family. Oh, let those things begin to point you to the fullness of who he is and his immeasurably great work 
that he's done. We're going to partake right now in an act of remembrance. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray over these things. I'll have the guys come up in just a moment. Before they do, I want to take a moment just to remind you that Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, and that betrayal led to a trial, false accusation, pain. I don't think any of us can fully understand because the pain, the physical pain he went through, he went through as a a person, so he, he felt the way we would feel if we went through the same things. But in addition to that, you see him at the, the, the moment where he's getting ready to die. He, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, that, that's, a, that's a prayer. That's a cry. I've heard it say the cry of the damned that we will never have to say because he said it for us. And so we remember. We think, okay, this, the night he was betrayed, he took it and he said, I want you to remember Don't forget, remember. He took bread. I'm going to open this up here. He took bread and he said, this is my body. And he would have held a piece of bread. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he broke it. Can you just picture him then distributing out, broken for you, for you. This is my blood, he says, the new covenant in my blood. Just think of that blood that he eventually poured out on the cross for you. And we have these things already distributed, but don't forget the picture that he played out. Because if you're like me, we think about these things, and we're going, man, I've been shallow. You ever think that when you hear, I've been shallow. We're so easy to forget, aren't we? Quick to do it. We hear these things and we'll go out and I'll go out and, you know, start my car. And I always use that example because that's the one that's plagued me most of my life. Sorry, God, it doesn't work. And it, oh, man. Just, and I'm doing that and I'm the one that's preaching it. We're easy to forget, quick to forget. Let this picture, broken for me, poured out for me. And so when something, when those other things we're grateful for maybe are jerked away and you have that temptation to go, Lord, what are you doing? Oh man, think of all he's given you that will never be taken away. And maybe he's taking that away because you've forgotten the bigger thing and you've been satisfied with the trivial C.S. Lewis describes it. He says, it, 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 it's like we're like kids playing in a, the alley, in the mud, in the dirt. When God is offering you a vacation at the sea, don't be satisfied with the trivial when God offers you so much more. If I could have the guys come up, I'm going to pray for this. They're going to distribute. I want you to hold on to those things after they distribute. Let yourself say, Lord, help me to remember. Purge me. Lord, of these trivial things of life, Lord, I pray now as we pray for this bread and this cup, Lord, that you would purge us from the trivial. Lord, you've enlightened our hearts, but we've shut off the light. You've given us the spirit of wisdom, but we're not listening. 
You've done an immeasurably great work. <laughs> and we don't see it. Lord, help us right now to remember you forget that. Remember you and forget those things. Remember what you've done. Forget those things. I pray that this moment would be a moment of grace for all in this room to truly remember all that Christ has done in our reality in this universe. Help those in this room who have shut off the lights, Lord, open them up. Open up the eyes of the heart. Grant the spirit of wisdom. Give as that gift faith to see who you are and what you've done. I pray this in the name of Jesus, who's accomplished all things, that he would also accomplish this. In his name I pray. Amen. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he is betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for all that you've done. Lord, I confess to you openly, so often, God, I get so discouraged and down, Lord, about the things and how life is going. Lord, I pray that you'd help me today not to forget all that you've done. Lord, I pray that you would open my my eyes, my heart, to see the truth of who you are and not to forget it. I pray that you'd help all those in this room that maybe today has been a day that you've prodded in their spirit, that they've been satisfied with mud when you're offering them so much more. But I pray if need be, Lord, if need be, that you need to take away the trivial, that we may focus on the glorious. Lord, if that is where we need to go, help us to endure through. Help us to see it. Lord, help us not to, to miss what you may be showing us at the losses that we face when you show us what is grand and eternal and glorious, immeasurable. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen.